Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is June 7th, 2021, and here with me, celebrating neon colors and big hair, is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hello, Jen. I miss that hair. That big, big hair. Yeah, I had really long hair, and perms were the thing then. Yes, I had a perm. I sure did. I got lots of perms. I think it wrecked my hair because my hair is not what it used to be. But I had to get these spiral perms where I kept the really long hair and there were like many, many layers of rollers and things. Yeah. Oh, I had big hair, very large hair. Did you have a curling iron? I never used a curling iron. My sister did. Okay. My hair does not hold a curl short of heroic interventions <laughs> like a perm. Because otherwise, it just, it's flat. So I was really an, Short of I was an underperforming 80s girl until I got the spiral perms. But boy, I, I have photographic evidence of me with very big shoulder pads and very high stiletto boots. And in one memorable photo, a lace glove. Just one lace glove. Oh, sure. And love the 80s, Jen. Loved the 80s. Tell folks what we're doing and why we're talking about the 80s. So happy. Now that we're in our episodes that begin with 80, like we began 80 and we'll finish in 89, we decided to take that opportunity to, in each of these episodes, celebrate our favorite songs from that year. We have now arrived at episode 85, Jen. We sure have. Whose turn is it to go first? I do believe it's my turn. I think you took two turns in a row because I thought it was your turn last week and I was mistaken. Have at it, pal. I'm all ears. All right. Song number one, my top choice for 1985, by the magnificent Tina Turner, Better Be Good to Me. Oh, nice. Yeah. Tina Turner. Very glad to see her get a spot on this list. She so deserves a spot on this list. And very 80s for me. I can remember a couple of videos of hers and yeah. She's awesome. So I do love that song. Yeah. Give us your second choice. My second choice, runner up. I'm going to do that thing where I pick a song from the 1970s that also <laughs> lands in the 1980s. You cheater. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So my runner-up choice for 1985 is a song that was actually released in 1971 by John Prine, but it didn't really take off until Bonnie Raitt's 1974 album Streetlights. I know what you're going to say. And Bonnie Raitt and John Prine did a duet in 1985 together that was pretty well known. Angel from Montgomery. Love that song. I love Bonnie Raitt. Gosh. Love her so much. Me too. Bonnie Raitt, if you're listening to our podcast. We love you. I adore you. I've seen you in concert several times. I've only seen her once. And she was one of my top female vocalists. When I was growing up, she influenced my singing more than anyone other than Linda Ronstadt. She's fantastic. And I loved her. And I never saw her in concert until about three years ago. Oh, man. And what a fantastic concert. She's wonderful. Yeah. And I love that song. That song is very dear to my heart. And when I was young, and I, I don't know if I told the story on the podcast, but I used to sing at cowboy bars when I was quite a little person. I was probably in my early teens. Yeah. And my brother and I once performed Angel from Montgomery on mm. a, they had a talent night at this one cowboy bar. So I have this wonderful memory of singing that with my big brother. 
and playing guitar. Do you have that somewhere on tape? I do not. Oh, no. That's too bad. It was wonderful. It was great. Great choices, Jen. Yeah, thanks. I I really adore both of these women and just so many great songs over the years. All right, pal, what are your choices for 1985? I know this was a tough one for you. It was really, really tough. But my top pick was never in question. And it is Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. That's a great song. It makes my heart open up every time I listen to it, even though it's a pretty grim song. But I really love the sound of it. I love the song. Mm -hmm. And the other one. Yes, do tell. Is Take On Me by AHA, which is absolutely one of the best videos of the 80s. Fantastic. And such a great song. I don't remember the video. Oh, are you kidding me? When I see it, I'll... Where it's a sketch. It's sketches that are animated. Okay. Oh, look it up. Well, we'll put it on YouTube. We sure will. Because it's fantastic. Awesome. So I did have one that almost squeaked in there until you reminded me that I should look at the charts for the next year so I could push it over into next week. Yeah. So what a great collection of songs. You really upped the estrogen level on the list this time. Well, somebody has to. I know. I, <laughs> Since you're picking all white men. What can I say? I was listening to dudes. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Anyway, so those are our top hits for 1985. And as you know, you can see them on our YouTube playlist. And we will link to that in the show notes. Right on. Just following up on our issues with the changes to Apple Podcasts that I did find that our most recent episode appeared in my feed a lot faster. We have modified our show notes just a little bit, make them a little shorter. They still got a little bit cut off right at the end, but mostly they're there and we've got the links there. So hopefully they will get those issues sorted out soon. In the meantime, yes, you can listen to these things on YouTube. We also post our episodes on YouTube. If you're more of a YouTube person or you find yourself sitting at your desk with YouTube open, you can always listen to the episodes there. Yeah, you won't see our faces, but you will be able to at least listen to it on YouTube. Yeah. So, big news, Jen. April, I do hear that something's turning 21 this week. Big Sky Astrology turns 21 on June 10th. Yay! (laughs) And there's a solar eclipse that day. That's so great. I'm pretty excited. So when I say that, I actually went into practice as a professional astrologer in 1990, I think, or 91. I can never remember. I think it was 91. 30 years overall this year, but I actually started the Big Sky Astrology website in 1999, but I registered the BigSkyAstrology.com name on June 10th of 2000. So we're turning 21 this year. That's three quarters of a Saturn return. Yeah, it's big. It's a big anniversary. And I just wanted to pause and take a moment to commemorate it and to share my excitement. I know we did acknowledge last year when the when the website turned 20, because that felt like a milestone, too. It definitely was. But 21. It's huge. Congrats, pal. Yeah. That's really great. Thank you. It's a long time. The website could drink legally in the state of California. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know. Well, so good to you know. know. I could make a margarita and lift my glass. To it. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited about it. It's been a long, long haul. And what I might do is go ahead and grab one of the screenshots, because you can go to the Wayback Machine to archive.com and grab one of the earliest screenshots of the website so people could see what it looked like way back in the day, and we'll put that in the show notes. That would be great. So there was an eclipse on that date, on June 10th in 2002. Probably there was something significant that happened with the website or the business then, I'm not sure. Yeah. But the interesting thing about that chart is how well it really does mirror 
the main emphasis of my business and also things in my own chart. For instance, Venus in Gemini is exactly on the midheaven and the moon is in Libra. And for so many years, the whole focus of my business was choosing wedding dates for people and relationship astrology and that kind of thing. Yeah, I see. So kind of fun. Well, my friend, how do you suppose we start the week? Please tell us how we start the week. No, let me sing it for you. With Moonwatch. Moonwatch. Play it, Jen. <laughs> yes, my friends, it's Moonwatch. And this week we have a Gemini New Moon solar eclipse on June 10th at 3.52 a.m. Pacific time at 19 degrees and 47 minutes of Gemini. Well, this eclipse, you know, a solar eclipse can only happen at a new moon. It's when the sun and the moon come together at exactly the same degree of the same sign. With a solar eclipse, I think it's within about 17 degrees of the lunar nodes. This eclipse is at the north node of the moon. Eclipses always bring changes, sometimes disruption, but when they are conjunct the north node, it is with a view to changing us in a way that moves us in the direction of growth and curiosity and learning and open-mindedness and all of those things that we have been attributing to the north node being in Gemini. The Sabian symbol for this degree is a cafeteria, a degree we've talked about mm -hmm. before. Yeah. And I think this really emphasizes the theme of variety, which is a word that is dear to Gemini's hearts. The sun and the moon are conjunct Mercury retrograde <laughs> and square Neptune. Right. And Mercury retrograde in this chart, I think, reminds us even more than usual to look to the past for lessons that were learned or unfinished, especially during the previous years when we had solar eclipses on this point. And that was in June 1983 and June 2002, most recently as well as a couple of lunar eclipses we had in December of 1992 and December of 2011. As always, with Mercury retrograde, we could see some people from the past returning. And since the Sun and Mercury are square Neptune, some of them might be people that we are not particularly thrilled to hear about or hear from or be reminded of. Do you say that because of the Neptune piece? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and say more about that. I mean, Neptune has a couple of different ways that it can act out. And especially when we're a little younger in life and we don't have quite so much life experience, we can fall prey to the aspects of Neptune that are a little less desirable, people who deceive us, people who are not dependable. I mean, I have some people in my past I wouldn't particularly relish showing up <laughs> sure. in my inbox or, God forbid, at my door or something. Not that they're just terrible people, but that the influence wasn't a good one. I was too young to choose well in the realm of relationship. Mm -hmm. So people from the past is always a possibility with Mercury retrograde. But the fact that it's also an eclipse gives it a little bit of a unsettling flavor. As I say, it could be people actually showing up, or it can just be you have strong memories of them. And again, as we've been going back and listening to these songs from the 80s, that was a time in my life there was a lot going on with relationships. A lot of it was not great. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that stuff is coming up, and that's appropriate at this time, because we get to figure out what we've learned 
and how we can do things better always moving forward with our relationships. So look to the Gemini house or houses of your birth chart to find the areas of life that are going to be strongly affected during this eclipse and to any planets in your birth chart that are between about 16 and 24 degrees of Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, or Pisces. That is where the action is going to be. Where's the Gemini house in your chart, pal? Eighth house. Ah, okay. I think I have Gemini on the seventh and the eighth. I think it gets on the cusp of the eighth house. I've got my taxes done. That's great. So, yeah. that's <laughs> And is it making aspects to any of your planets? Yes. It's square Mars, now that you mention it. Oh, sure it is, because it's square my Mars. Yeah. And our Mars are friends. Ooh, we're getting eclipses to Mars. And eclipses to Mars can be about feeling you have to defend yourself in some way, or it can be about feeling really competitive, like there's something that you want to do and you want to do it better than anybody else. There's definitely an edge to eclipses involving Mars. Hello, my pod pals. April here. Hey, it's eclipse season. Should you be terrified? I mean, the internet, whatever you think so. I don't believe in using astrology to feed fear, but I do believe in learning from past experience. My eclipse report, followed by a moon shadow, helps you better understand your past and its influence on the present. The report includes three years of eclipses, interpreting their house placements in your chart, aspects to natal planets, and the previous years when there were eclipses at the same points in your chart. Order your report at eclipseastrology.com, and as my bonus gift to you, you'll receive my e-booklet, Five Steps to Fear-Free Eclipses. Order today, eclipseastrology.com. That's eclipseastrology.com. Over and out. The other thing that's significant about this particular eclipse chart is that Saturn and Uranus are approaching their exact square next week on the 14th. Doom, 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 doom. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the two are definitely making contact in this chart because Saturn's retrograde and moving toward Uranus for the second time. This is the second of three squares. The first was on February 17th. The last will be on Christmas Eve. And it's an ongoing tension between laws and liberty, playing by the rules, breaking the rules. Basically, Saturn is a rule follower and Uranus is a rule breaker. The other big feature of the chart, of course, is the sun's conjunction to Mercury at 6.13 p.m. Pacific time. Jen, this might be a good spot for you to talk about the conjunction and about where the eclipse will be visible. Yeah, for sure. This is an inferior conjunction, which just means that Mercury passes between the Earth and the Sun. It means that we're halfway through the current Mercury retrograde period. It's what astrologers call Kazemi. Kazemi! Kazemi! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kazemi is that exact moment where they are exactly in a conjunction with each other. It's considered extraordinarily powerful in its influence. And the state is called Kazemi. Kazemi. That sounds like, I swear there was a some kind of cartoon character, the, oh. great, the great Kazoo on some cartoon or other. I can't remember, but it's not Kazemi, but it made me think of it. Kazemi. That does sound familiar. I wonder what cartoon that is. We should link that in the show notes if they fit. I think it might be the Jetsons <laughs> or, or the Flintstones or something. Anyway, mm -hmm. Kazemi. Well, this eclipse will be visible 
in Greenland, Northeast Canada, the North Pole, and the northeastern part of Siberia. A partial eclipse will be visible in the north and eastern parts of North America, Northern Asia, and most of Europe. I will post a link in the show notes where you can enter your city and see if the eclipse is visible from where you live. Okay. What's coming up next, Pill? Well, this week we also have Mars entering Leo. Leo. (laughs) I almost said play it. That would be wrong. So that is on June 11th at 6.34 a.m. Pacific time, and it will be in Leo through July 29th of 2021. Do you think folks got their bingo cards out when we sing Leo? <laughs> I think they probably did. I swear, in regular life, I go around if I ever hear the word Leo, I <laughs> Mars was last in Leo between July 1st and August 17th of 2019. And in this sign, it will make an opposition to Saturn on July 1st, a square to Uranus on July 3rd, and an opposition to Jupiter on July 29th. So it doesn't have the easiest road ahead of it in this sign. But Leo is a very strong-willed sign, and it will handle those challenging aspects to other planets. But you can expect some frustration. Tempers tend to be a little bit short when Mars is in a fire sign like Leo. But conflicts are usually pretty short-lived with the fire signs. It kind of bursts up, you know, like a flame, and then it just sort of subsides. So they don't tend to hold grudge. However, Leo will be ruled by the sun in Cancer through July 22nd, and Cancer definitely can hold a grudge. And how does that affect Mars then? Well, how it affects Mars is you get mad and you stay mad, Mm -hmm. which is, again, really isn't usually the case with Mars in in Leo, in Aries, or in Sagittarius. But this time, the anger will be a little more serious. And pay attention to that roar when people roar. It doesn't always mean you're going to get bit. But in this case, it's a little more possible because people are very, very angry. So the last week that Mars is in Leo will be the easier part of the stay. Is that right? Right, right, because the sun will have moved into Leo, so the Mars will be ruled by the sun in Leo, which is a more comfortable fit. Got it. So Mars in Leo will be at its strongest then, and then on July 29th, it will enter Virgo, and Jen and I will be looking down the barrel at a couple of Mars returns. Oh, yes, we will. We'll be feeling fit and feisty. Will we know? Or cranky. Cranky, overworked, and perfectionistic is probably more likely. And a little bit sarcastic. And critical. A little little bit bit critical. Critical and sarcastic, too, yeah. So y'all could look forward to that. Oh, fun. What else do we have coming up this week? Venus sextiles Uranus on June 12th at 10.38 p.m. Venus is in Cancer at 13 degrees and 2 minutes. Uranus is in Taurus and has been there for quite some time. The sextile, of course, is a 60-degree difference. Tell us about this, April. It's a very convivial aspect. Venus and Uranus don't have a lot in common, but they do have sociability in common. You know, Venus just wants to be a little more connected and uh, committed. It wants to be in relationships. Uranus really likes to be free. I don't know. The two of them connecting by sextile feels sort of fun to me. Venus in Cancer is a bit of a homebody She loves to be with the people that she knows and being cozy at home. 
But I think with the sextile to Uranus, maybe there's an invitation there to venture out of her shell, get a little bit of a change of scenery. So relationships could get a little bit of perking up this week too, because Uranus likes to keep us on our feet. As you have noticed, I am tending to say Uranus, whereas I used to say Uranus, and I just want to point out the changeable nature of Uranus and that he wants to keep us on our feet. And it's really the only planet that you can pronounce about four or five different ways, one of which makes 12-year-olds giggle. Of course. But definitely Uranus or Uranus. I'm going with Uranus these days. I think you made a convert out of me, Jen. Oh, good. It's good (laughs) that I've impacted you in that way. I'm happy to hear that. Well, we hope that everybody enjoys this particular aspect because it really is a fun one. And I know people are starting to get out and do a little more socializing, reuniting with friends and family, perhaps that they haven't seen in a while. And that's very suitable to Venus being in Cancer. It's the loved ones that we're really wanting to see and spend some time with. Tell us what's coming up next, pal. Well, finally, this week, we have the sun in a square aspect to Neptune on June 13th at 4.40 p.m. at 23 degrees and 9 minutes of Gemini and Pisces. The Sabian symbol for the sun is 24 Gemini children skating on ice. The Sabian symbol for Neptune 24 Pisces is an inhabited isle, one that we have been talking about quite a lot. The sun in Gemini really prefers to remain on the surface. Its job is to keep moving, to gain information, move it along to the next place. But as it makes a square to Neptune in Pisces, which is a a little deeper and more sensitive planet, it's like we are all being reminded to be aware of other people's feelings and sensitivities and needs especially that the words that we use can be hurtful to people. So we, it is important, the words that we use, and we have to choose them carefully. Physical energy can be low when the sun comes together with Neptune. The sun it does kind of rule the body in a way, and especially coming so soon after a solar eclipse when the energy tends to be a little low anyway because the sun is being obscured. So pay attention to your body this week, and when it tells you to slow down, you really have to do it. (laughs) Of course, do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) This square of the sun to Neptune is also influencing Mars because Mars is now in Leo because it is ruled by the sun. So new ideas or projects that you're doing can run into unexpected issues and confusion and communication issues. What do you think, pal? What are your thoughts on Sun-Neptune? We've had Venus and Mercury making squares to Neptune in recent weeks as well. Mercury has made two squares and will make a third in a couple of weeks. And I wonder if the sun is passing a message along to Neptune and Mercury is going to pick it up on his third pass through. Yeah, I think it's very possible. I think the other characteristic of the sun with Neptune can be creativity and especially something really, really sensitive and imaginative, I think, with the sun and Neptune. So as Mercury comes back along retrograde to contact the same point, maybe that's the moment when we give voice to these creative urges that we're having now, or actually begin to document, you know, good time to keep a dream journal. Hmm. (laughs) Neptune is very much about the dream state. And every now and again, we do get little creative messages that come through when we're sleeping or just daydreaming. So give yourself a little space in your day to daydream and just let your mind free associate. And as Mercury comes back along to reach that point in a week or so, then you can actually record the things that you've been thinking about. Oh, good idea. Just a thought. I like that. 
Well, friend, if there is nothing else, we appear to have made it to the end of another show sheet. Have we done it? We've done it! Woohoo! Woohoo! 85, we're halfway through the 80s. Wow. What a sentimental journey it's been, too. <laughs> it sure has. Uh, or an aggravating journey for our listeners. We don't know. They can't wait till we're done with the 80s, probably. Probably not. <laughs> well, thanks to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe or follow, rate, and review. And we hope that you'll help us spread the word. Tell a friend about the show. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments, including your favorite songs from 1985 at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who showed support during our Podathon last fall. Each week, we thank some of you by name. Who is it this week, April? This week, we want to give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Janice Manson, Anna Rollin, or Rollin, I'm not sure which, and Nancy Crichton. I had to let people check off the box about April mispronouncing April. <laughs> it's always fair. I yeah. think it's Rollo. We'll see. Janice, Anna, and Nancy, we really do appreciate you. And we thank you so much for listening to the podcast and supporting us during last September's Podathon. Thanks to the three of you. If you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our Podathon last fall, you can always make a contribution at our website. That's at BigSkyAstropod.com. If you donate five bucks or more, we'll invite you to our special episodes for the equinoxes and solstices. We do have our exclusive Solstice episode that will be published very soon. Very soon. Very soon. And the bingo card. Don't forget the bingo card. Very soon. That's it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground. And your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.